couple of things I want to do this morning. Um, to begin with, uh, uh, in your bulletin on Communion Sunday, we, we uh, recognize or our, our, our remember the things we do with, with missions and outreach. And uh, don't have time to go through all of those. Those go from uh, crisis help and food bank help with the Helping Hands Crisis Ministry that's headquartered on uh, uh, Pace Bend Road over here to... Uh, Things in Austin, things in in our region and Louisiana and the Gulf Coast to uh, the world. And in fact, I'll let you know, uh, uh, I just got back from annual conference and one of the big deals that uh, the Methodist Church is pushing now is a global health in- initiative. And you say, how do we deal with that? Well, the, the, the thing that we're going to focus on is called Nothing But Net. You may have heard of that before. Uh, United Methodist Church is a partner in that. If you need information about that, you can just type in Google, nothing but nets. But they provide, for $10, we can provide a malaria net for a child in Africa. And, and the country we are uh, targeting is Sierra Leone. The, the, the uh, uh, goal for this year is that we can have uh, enough nets to blanket the entire country of Sierra Leone in uh, Africa. And for 10 bucks. They get those nets and, and studies it. It's not going to eradicate the disease, but it is going to take it way down and uh, for 10 bucks a person. So uh, over the next six months, you're going to be hearing about that. Uh, we're going to, um, my goal is that for, for a church that we, we could do $2 per, or two nets per person of what we have membership. That puts us around... $8,000. And that, I don't like eight, so I think 10000 is a good <laughs> number that by the end of the year, uh, we would like to send at least $10,000 to that. It, like I said, if you need some more, well, you'll be hearing some more information about that. If you go to my Facebook page, there's actually a cause. I have, you can actually make a donation online uh, through my Facebook page, but I'm so hip. Um, <laughs> The other thing that we've helped with recently was uh, Habitat for Humanity. And uh, we, made a, we made a monetary donation, then we, we had some people share their time. And I, I just want to recognize uh, one person in particular, and he didn't know I was going to do this this morning, but Steve, uh, would you come on up for us? Uh, Steve McKinney. Uh, was our church's representative. And last week I went to the dedication of the house. We joined with some other Methodist churches in building a house. And uh, it's done, and that family moved in. And Steve was the one who said, I'll, I'll coordinate it for us. And so he dealt with the phone calls, they back and forth and everything. And so while I was there last week, uh, Steve, they gave an appreciation certificate for you. And then we also want to give you this plaque that has a picture of the house and, cool. and, and stuff. And, and uh, I know there are some folks in here that volunteer. If you volunteered at Habitat, would you just stand for us? <clears throat> Thank you. And it, it's just, it's such a, you can go sit down, I think. <laughs> It's, it's such a neat program, though, because you, you see, you get to participate in, I mean, you get to watch the house literally go up in 10 weeks and, uh, and then see that family. And that family has not only, not only did they have to put in some work in their house, they have to put in 400 hours worth of labor in other houses as well. 
and, uh, and go to training. It's just a neat program, and we'll be continuing that program. So I just want to no- let you know about that. And why I started all of that to begin with is on a Communion Sunday, we, we recognize those things. And as we receive communion this morning, if you would like, there are some boxes here that you can drop some money in that goes to our outreach funds. But it's not limited to that. That's just a reminder for us. But anytime you would like that you want to uh, give to our outreach needs, you can just designate that on your check, outreach, and we'll... We'll distribute that out as the needs come up. So, but we are, uh, we have been talking about how you experience God, how, how we go through experiencing Him. And, and uh, um, what I want to talk about this morning is, is the times we, we, we need God's help, but maybe we don't recognize it. I wonder how many of you have heard that saying, God never puts more on you than you can handle. You heard that saying? You believe that? Yeah, bunch of bull. <laughs> yeah, bunch of bull. It's sort of like God helps them, it helps themselves, you know? It, it, there's a grain of truth in it, enough that it's stuck around, enough that it makes a nice, oh, not a nice, but a cheesy card for somebody going through difficult times and stuff. It makes us feel better when we can tell somebody something like that. There's enough truth in it that it, it sticks around, but it's not quite fully there. You know, what I would say is, the way I would say it is, it's not that, that God never puts any more on us than we can handle because we are always put in situations that we can't handle, aren't we? I mean, I, I think that's... I think sometimes the guilt that we have related to God and stuff has to do with people telling us this kind of thing that, well, there must be something wrong with me because I cannot handle the stuff I'm going through. It's not that God never puts us in situations that we can't handle. It's that here's the amendum. That with God, there's nothing that we cannot get through. That with God, there is no situation that will have power over us. With God, with His Spirit, with His help, with His counsel, with His goodness, with His hope, there's nothing that can defeat us. In fact, if you go back the night that Jesus was meeting with His disciples, you can find this in John 16, 17. Um, as He was visiting with them, in fact, one of the things He said to him that night was in this life you are going to have many troubles. In this life you are going to have many obstacles. In this life you are going to be fighting a battle. But take heart, because I have conquered the world. He didn't say, hey, I'm glad you're a Christian now. Now it's easy street. Now you never have to worry about anything. God will be there. No, he said, you are going to have a hard time. But take heart. Because I'm bigger than all the problems. Take heart because I've, I've, there's ultimate victory through me. That you always know how it's going to come out in the end. You always know that you have the possibility of winning. Well, we're going to talk about that a little, a little bit this morning. And one of the ways I want to sort of open it, it serves two purposes for us. We have Emily coming in as a new associate. And uh, I know everybody's curious about her and everything. And we'll have that potluck tonight. And, 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 
part of it, in order to save her from having to answer the same questions 119 times this evening, I thought we'd, uh, we'd share a little conversation this morning. Uh, but also, to put yourself in her situation. 25, 24. 25. Uh, I was trying to help. 25. <laughs> 25 years old, right out of seminary. In, uh, coming to a new church where, they, where the guy that hires you says, hey, come on, and then I'm leaving as soon as you get here. <laughs> Getting married, having to adjust to all of that, new place. I mean, there's some stress going on in, in her life. And so I thought it might be good to, to just sort of visit with her uh, a little bit. And, and it'll give you a, a feeling for her as well. So, uh, Emily, if you'd like to come up, we're going to play, I told the other church, uh, the other service. I have this fantasy to, like, be Conan O'Brien. So we're going we're gonna to pretend that I'm <clears throat> Conan O'Brien. And we're going to have a talk show. And you're the audience. But no, we're, gonna, we're just going to talk a little bit and, and hopefully uh, give you a, a chance to, to understand Emily a little better and, and get to know her a little bit as she, as she takes over. So um, as I said, you're coming, you, you graduated from Emory. Uh, that's uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, uh, Candler is the School of Theology there. And, um, but tell us, give us a little picture of, you know, not everybody chooses full-time ministry. So what made you want to do that? Um, for me, it's been a really long journey. I grew up in the Methodist church, so I guess it started you know, way back in the day. But when I was 12 years old, I was at Mount Wesley uh, for a summer camp. And it was after the evening worship service. We were all around the campfire. And the dean told everyone to meditate before they went back to their cabins. So all the 11 and 12-year-olds get up and go to their cabins. Um, and I said, okay, well, I've never tried to meditate before. So I said a little prayer and almost immediately I saw an image in my head of me standing behind a pulpit wearing a black robe and a purple stole preaching. And I was scared to death. I didn't tell anyone for years. Um, the first person I told was my best friend when I was 14 and she started crying and said, oh, Emily, you'd be so good at that. Uh, so that's been my experience was just affirmation after affirmation that this was what I should be doing with my life. Okay. And um, I, I told her in the earlier, obviously her dreams aren't very specific because she's not going to be wearing a robe and a stole here. <laughs> but, um, uh, but, and then that, that gets you on the path. And then sort of as you went to UT, Graduated UT, English and Spanish re, uh, literature. literature. Yeah, um, so she's more proficient in two languages than I am in one. So, um, and then went went to seminary. Sort of, what would you say was your biggest change from going into seminary to coming out? What would you say his biggest change in you has been? I think I, I just see everything in different terms than I used to. Um, my first year at seminary was really rough, and I was going to drop out and start a bakery. Um, that didn't <laughs> go so well. Uh, but part of it was this feeling that there was no turning back. Like, even after one year of seminary, things had changed too much to just go back and be who I was before. So I decided to continue the journey. Um, so it's really hard to pinpoint exactly what that was. 
but the realization that I could never be who I was before I went to seminary ever again, that I should just continue forward. Um. Okay. Yeah, and I know I, I came out with a lot more knowledge, but knowing less than I did when I went in. Well, and knowing uh, that that's okay. Right. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, part of your transition is Mr. Mr. Bearded one back here, Steve, and he's, he's going to, Steve actually went to seminary as well, that's where they met, and uh, they're getting married in, in July, and uh, so that's a big transition. Uh, what made y'all decide that not only are you going to get married, but you're going to marry a preacher when you're a preacher? I mean, that's... Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, and for us, it's extra complicated, because Steve is eventually going to be an army chaplain. So we have, like, two competing itinerary systems, and it's, it's going to be a lot. Um, and some people actually said, you can't do that. But my experience has been, um, when I'm off doing something on my own, and I think this is what I'm going to do, it's a great plan, and then I just hit brick wall after brick wall, I have to rethink, is this my plan, or is this God's plan? And when things start to work out, I, I wonder, well, maybe I'm doing what God wants me to do. So I think that's a lot of it, that we were just so blessed that we found ways to make this work. And the Southwest Texas Conference said, we can do that. You know, um, it just, it's, it's happening, it's working, and I, I think it's going to be great. So um, just the, the understanding and the belief that God can do this, that we're both called to these things, that we're called to marry one another, and that we can do these things together. Okay. Well, coming in. Like I said, I welcome, goodbye. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's, your, what's your biggest fear and what's your biggest excitement about the next few weeks? Uh, my biggest excitement is just to get to know everybody and to uh, be a part of your lives and for you to be a part of my life. Um, I'm really, there's so many faces. I'm really excited about that. Um, and I told the first service my biggest fear was the building burning down while David was gone. I just, I'm afraid that everything's going to go wrong all at once and I'm not going to know what to do. Yeah, we're all sort of worried about that. So, <laughs> uh, uh, so. The, the good news is we got a guy there that just loves to build, and he'll pour another slab before I get back. So, <laughs> yeah, but, well, we, uh, we are excited to have you. And uh, I know this congregation is excited to have you, and I know you're going to you're gonna, uh, grow to love these people as much as I do. And... Uh, all my friends hate me because I, this is the best church there is. Uh, and, and I know you're going to experience that as well. And I hope you all will be able to join us tonight and, and uh, visit with her a little more. And, and then over the next few weeks, be nice to her, okay? <laughs> just, just give her that. And if, she, if you see her with matches, slap her <laughs> hands and take them away from her. So, uh, but Emily, thank you. Thank you for... for uh, Well, big things in your life, how do you deal with those? You know, for Emily, it's exciting. You know, marriage, new job, but those are exciting things. But for some of us, the things that lie ahead are not that exciting. In fact, they're downright frightful. We've been watching our loved one deteriorate day after day after day as the cancer eats away at their body. Our son and daughter 
uh, that, that we had really high hopes for. It just can't seem to get on the right path. And they're struggling, trying to find their way. Our, our retirement account has just disappeared before our eyes. The job that we thought was so secure has been yanked away from us. Is, it, is there any doubt why Jesus gave that assurance to those disciples that night? That in this life, you will have problems. In this life, you will be faced with difficulties. In this life, you will, you're going to wonder. Well, how did, how, what does this have to do with experiencing God? You're, you might be saying, man, this is how I experience separation from God. This, this is when it seems, but you know what? I, I bet you if, you if you're honest, it's in these times that we sense God's power even more. It, it's, it's in times of trouble. It's in times of, of struggle. It's, it's when we have exhausted all our resources. It's when we have gotten to the end of our rope that we finally are willing to say, you know what, God, I need you. When we've finally gotten to the end of that lie that God helps them, that helps themselves, that God will never put more on us than we can handle ourselves, when we finally say, God, I can't do anything without you. It's only then that we can begin to, to see the light at the end of the tunnel. And frankly, friends, it's, God speaks to us all the times, but you know when he speaks the loudest, it's when we're in times of trouble. In fact, if you do some reading by C.S. Lewis, he has, he has a quote, I'm, I'm butchering it all to pieces, but God speaks to us every day, but in pain, the voice is through a megaphone. If we're gonna if we're gonna learn to experience God, we gotta learn not only in the good times but in the bad. And and let's be honest, we all have bad times, right? Not one of us gets to skate through life without having any challenges. Not one. And maybe you're not there right this second, but I feel sorry for you because it's coming. And maybe you're in it right this second, and don't worry, there's another one following that. You, problems are a part of life. We can't escape them. We can't just ignore them. We have to deal with them. And if we're going to deal with them in a way that's not only going to help us, help the situation, let's turn to the author of life. Let's turn to the one who is able to, to help us. I've got a couple scriptural stories I want to use this morning. The first one I'm not going to read. I'm just going to uh, rem- remind you of. It's in Numbers chapter 13 if you want to go read it later on. But it's a story of, remember Moses escorted the, the Israelites out of Egypt, out of captivity. God had a promise for them. I'm going to take you to a promised land. I'm going to take you to a better place, a land filled with milk and honey, a land where you will be, you will be able to become a great nation. You will be blessed because of me. That's where I'm taking you. Remember that? And then they wandered around in the desert for 40 years as God was preparing them. And at the end of that time, Moses and, and the people moved to the, to the land and, and they were getting ready to go in. And they, so they were scouting it. And, and Moses sent in a team of people to go check it out. 
And they went in and they saw that there was, it was just as God said, it was, it was a fertile land. It, it had everything they promised. But then they looked and there was other people there. And they were going to have to win it by battle. And not only were they people, it was like a tribe of Shaquille O'Neal people. They were huge. And so they came back and they give the report and, and they were panicking. They're like, we know the land is great, man. We saw it. We can't wait to get, we wish we could go there, but we just need to give up. We need to find another place to live because those people, we would never be able to defeat them. We're like grasshoppers compared to them. We might as well just give up. But Caleb and Joshua, two of the younger spies said, hey, you know what? They're right. It is a great land. And they're right. There's big people. But you know what? If God promised us we're going there, he'll, he'll give us the victory. They're right. They're big people. They're right. It's going to be a challenge, but we say we ought to go and trust God. I'm wondering where you are in the way you deal with, with your challenges. Do you throw up your hands and go, man, this isn't what God had for me. This isn't the promise he made for me. This isn't the life he had for me. There's certainly got to be a better way. Since he's ripping me off, I quit. Or are you willing to say, yeah, this isn't the road God has for me. This isn't the promise he had for me. It must still be coming. And in the meantime, I'm hanging on and trusting. Which is it for you? See, that's the challenge of Christianity. That's, and I actually think this is why God allows us those problems. Now, in saying allow, I don't mean sin. God does not strike you with cancer, so you'll love him more. But I think sometimes he, he lifts the protection to allow us to, to suffer the consequences of our actions, suffer the consequences of our brokenness. And I think that's why he does that, is to allow us to see what it's like without him. And because we were stupid people, we need to be hit upside the head in order to get us back on the, on the right track. I know there's some of us in this, you are going through time that you just wish would go away. And you can wish and wish and wish, and they're not. And if we're not careful, they can drive us away from God. If we want to blame him and if we want to place blame and if we expect him to uh, adjust to our uh, whims and go on our timetable, he's not going to meet your expectations. Because God has an eternal plan. He doesn't have one that fits your little time-bound selfish schedule. Your happiness is not his greatest goal. It's your relationship and your trust and your faith is his greatest goal. You see, that's, that's what maturity as Christians is, is all about. It's trusting. Part of the reason we're so excited to have Emily come is because she's coming in with new eyes, fresh heart, excitement. She, she's early in that. I'm not saying she hasn't had, hasn't had challenges. She has but she's not as jaded as I am. She's not as skeptical as I am. Because see, this is what happens. I, rem- I remember going to the first church. I remember knowing I knew nothing, knowing that I was going to have to pray every day to get through it, knowing that I was an idiot, knowing that. 
And then through the years, convincing myself that now I'm an expert. (laughs) And having all the power seep right out. See, we all need to be reminded that we need God. He is not trying to raise us up so he can separate himself from us. He's not trying to get us trained enough that we can take care of our own problems. No, he, the secret is we need to trust him in everything. Remember the command Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, with everything you are, with everything you have, with everything you want to be, you need to submit it to God. Your hopes, your dreams, your fears, your, your anxieties, the, the good things, the bad things. God says, hey, that's what I created you for. Another passage I want to read to you. This is from 2 Corinthians chapter 4, beginning in verse 16. And this is a section in which Paul was, is writing, and Paul is talking about going through troubles, about persecution, about the fact that he had been trying to get the gospel out, and at every turn he got confronted and he had been beaten down and he had been sent to jail and been tarred and feathered and thrown off a cliff and had rocks thrown. I mean, all for trying to do the good thing. And after remembering that God is still present, even in the midst of those problems, he says this, that is why we never give up. Even though our bodies are dying, Our spirits are being renewed every day. For our present troubles are small and they're not going to last very long. But they can produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles that we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things that we cannot see will last forever. This is the word of the Lord for us. Thanks be to God. What he says is, hey, we get all messed up in our things and and circumstances in life. And before we know it, our whole life is here. And we can't even concentrate on anything else because our whole life is just here. And he says, I know you got to live here, but just remember there's a there. And don't look here, look there. Because it's what you're going to learn here that's going to equip you for there. It's the power of God that's when with you here that you're going to be able to celebrate there. Remember what Jesus said? You're going to have many problems, but take heart. Why? Because I've conquered the world. I've conquered the here. The cancer can't win. The bank failing cannot win. Your retirement account going away cannot win. It can hurt, but it can't win. Death can't, life can't, demons can't. No principles today, no principles tomorrow. Romans 8, there is absolutely nothing in all of creation that can separate us from God's wonderful love. That, friends, is how you experience God in the midst of problems. Don't give up. Don't throw your hands up. Don't give victory over before you even have... After, after, it's not even your victory to win. 
See, what the Israelites didn't understand is that God would give them through the victory. And as you read through the, read through the Old Testament books, you'll see they won battles that they had no business winning. They march around a city for seven days, blow a trumpet, and the walls fall down. Wow, how do you plan for that one? It was God at work. It wasn't their victory to win anyway. It's not your battle. It's your problem. And God has said, I'll be there for your problems. I'll be there every day for your problem. I'll be there as you're walking through the valley of death. I'll be there when you don't think there's any more hope. I'll be there no matter what. I will be there. That is what, that's, that's the ultimate experience of God to know that no matter what, he's with you. And that's what we celebrate this morning. In receiving communion, that's what we celebrate. The fact that there is a God who loved us enough that wanted us to know deep down that we were okay. In fact, he was willing to go to such extraordinary lengths that he gave his own life. And we're going to remember that through communion in just a moment. I'm going to give you a chance. If your kids are in the uh, children's church and you'd like for them to join you, for th- this would be a time for you to go do that. Uh, we're, going to, we're going to sing a, a song. It's on your song sheet there.